Hello, and welcome to Detangling Development, a seven-part podcast series brought to you by UNIPID, the Finnish University Partnership for International Development. In this podcast, we dive deeper into important themes related to global development by interviewing a guest with expert insight or research in this specific topic. I'm your host, Melissa Platt. In today's episode, we will be examining Finland's role in global development using Finland's Africa strategy published by the government in 2021 as an illustrative example. Being a relatively small country in the international arena, it's interesting to have a closer look at the role Finland currently holds and the role it would like to hold in promoting the goals of Agenda 2030. Are these the same or are there contradictions that must be grappled with? What are the new ways Finland is seeking to engage in global development in the future? Finland's development cooperation focuses on four priorities. Gender equality, strengthening economies, quality education and democracy, and climate change. But why are these strategic priorities chosen, and how can Finland work towards these goals globally? To give us insight into this interesting topic, I have Deppo Eskelinen, philosopher and senior lecturer in social sciences at the University of Eastern Finland. Deppo lectures on topics such as social and public policy, and his research interests include political economy, development policy, and global justice. He has also published research on radical democracy, classics of heterodex economics, and economic alternatives. His interdisciplinary background and philosophical insight make him just the right person to tackle this complex topic. So welcome, Deppo, and thanks for joining us. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. So, Teppo, if you had to describe your work to a 10-year-old, how would you do that? I guess an average 10-year-old begins to understand that there are structural reasons behind the fact that some people are so wealthy and some people are so poor. That understanding might not be a very deep and profound one, but there's kind of like this intuition already with kids that it's just... It's not just a matter of someone's efforts why they end up being so wealthy or so poor. So I would merely explain that what I do in research is trying to understand these reasons. Why are some individuals so so wealthy and others, other, others suffer from poverty? And why are some nations in general so wealthy and and others others so poor. So my work is in the intersections of development studies, social science and political philosophy and the question of wealth and poverty is really cross-cutting and relevant to all of these fields. Yeah, it sounds like it. So then what are you currently working on now? What's your your kind of current research focus? Well, I hate to say this, but I don't really have much of much of a focus right now. So My research work has been more like a rag bag of themes and issues. (laughs) So um, I've been working on a paper on cobalt mining in Congo and the ethical implications of that. Um, Writing a general paper on the development studies approach to planetary well-being. And then I've been completing a few research articles on workshops, which were like these um, solidarity fair trade shops, which existed in Finland until about 2015 and then just like suddenly disappeared. You might remember some of them existing in, in Finland. So I tried to 
understand the reasons why this kind of solidarity activism just died away at some point all, all over the country. So it's been this kind of a mix. And uh, now I've, I'm looking forward to launching a new research project with my colleagues on the uh, politics of counter-tax avoidance efforts. This means in African context that we get all these progressive policies on countering tax avoidance and capital flights, but it's very unclear who actually decides on these policies. So it's typically not the African countries themselves, but these policies are drafted at the uh, OECD, the IMF, the UN and so forth. And there's this conflict over who should decide. So it's kind of like a politics issue and not only a policy issue. Yeah, and it's interesting. I think this issue of tax avoidance has become one of the bigger issues right now in the discussions around development. Am I right in that feeling? Yeah, it's it's correct, certainly. But then, again, there's lots of politics involved. So mm. a lot of donor countries are really happy to assist countries of the global south in developing their tax collection systems mm-hmm. to enhance domestic resource mobilization. But then it might get a bit uneasy when we're talking about global firms who might even be headquartered in the donor country uh, doing some, well, perhaps not tax avoidance, but some kind of creative accounting, as we say, nevertheless. Um, so there's lots of these um, tensions around, around the theme, but certainly it's an emerging one. It's very interesting. I'm, I'm looking forward to following uh, this research for sure. Let's move now and look a little bit to Finland. What is Finland's role in global development and why does Finland want to have this role? Okay, let me begin by stating the obvious. We are quite a small country. So Finland's role is a marginal one Mm. in any case. The global official development assistance hovers around 150 billion euros, even more, depending on how you count. And that's even excluding China, because China is not not counted in the um, OECD standards. And Finland's contribution is just over a billion or or just under a billion, depending how you count. So it's unavoidably, it's a drop in the ocean. Also, in relation to or in comparison with uh, the Nordic neighbors, Finland isn't contributing that much. So we have to understand Finland as a smallish player on on this um, field of global development. So I guess when we try to understand the role in global development and global cooperation of a single country, there's always a given tension between identities and coordination, let Mm. me put it this way. Mm. So each and every country would love to see some kind of value added, a kind of like specific contribution they can make to global development, um, seeking the kind of themes what they do best, or at least they think they do best. And on the other hand, there's an increased pressure for global coordination trying to avoid doing overlapping things. And development assistance has a very unfortunate history 
of having a dozen countries and another dozen organizations maneuvering in the same country, in the same field, and everyone wants to avoid this as well. So what's Finland, like each and every other country, tries to do is to try to look at these uh, identities or strengths which the country might have and then try to maneuver within this pressure um, towards increased coordination between donors. And Finland particularly is one of those countries which is always emphasizing on international arenas the need for for coordination and binding rules and so forth and so forth. So Finland kind of like makes it more difficult for itself to have these uh, these themes or areas where it might have this kind of particular value, value added to the field. This said, Finland has managed to find a number of themes where it has made a positive contribution. It's began with forestry and of course the on that field the positive contribution is perhaps more debatable but now lately it's been more about gender education and so forth so Finland is like looking at itself seeing itself as quite a progressive country in terms of gender equality and thinking of this being something which Finland could uh, globally promote then Finland is getting good results in these um, global education rankings and has began to see education as a field. It has something to offer and so forth. Then there's of course the the curious theme of peacekeeping, which is necessarily part of Finland's global role, which is very much an identity thing. So mm. if you look uh, decades back to the era of the Cold War, already at that point, Finland was very vocal about its role as engaged, but unaligned. Right. So it's kind of like paradoxical in a way, or at least there's a given tension you kind of have to maneuver with. So in the global arena, Finland has found peacekeeping as something which kind of enforces or supports this uh, idea of, uh, say, the self-image of engaged yet unaligned and really wants to um, talk about this role or you know, promote the idea of Finland as this kind of curiously unaligned country. Something perhaps worth mentioning of the uh, Nordic comparison. Finland's development assistance initially was launched as very much an identity thing. Finland saw its Nordic neighbors beginning this endeavor of um, international assistance. And for Finland at the time, it was kind of thing of we can't be out of this. It's our way of confirming the idea of being part of the Nordic bloc. But lately it's been like more about seeing itself as part of EU. So mm. we have this kind of changing idea of what our peer group actually is. And this necessarily has some implications on how the global role is seen or what kind of inputs we think is appropriate. So you mentioned that on the one hand, Finland has a necessarily small kind of role in this global development and we are just, you know, adding a drop in the in the water. But at the same time, we are seeing this as part of a kind of identity of being part of the EU or part of the, the Nordic bloc. So if we look a little bit 
to the future and think about where Finland might like to go, what is the role that Finland would like to have in global development in the future? Well, I guess the role Finland would like to have in the future is not that dissimilar to the role it has currently. I would say that the key issue is how it sort of handles the the tension between the role it would like to have and the amount it's willing to contribute in international development assistance. And this is something where Finland has really an uneasy role within the Nordic bloc. And this is one of the reasons why Finland rather today sees the EU as its kind of natural peer group. If you look at the Nordics, kind of themes, areas on which they work are pretty similar. But Finland is the outlier in the sense of being the stingy one. Um, So if you look at the amounts, say, Sweden is contributing to international development, that's around sixfold to what Finland is. Of course, Sweden is a bigger country. Norway is equal size, yet they are contributing a threefold amount, even more in comparison to Finland. So Finland is like maneuvering on the same field but somehow trying to avoid the embarrassment of being such a junior player on this field. I'm not saying that money always buys impact. Sometimes you get really amazing results in development cooperation with minor contributions. Sometimes money can even destroy things. I mean, you can have really well-functioning grassroots organizations and you inject the money and turn them into bureaucracies. But what money does do in the international field, it buys you policy impact. So if you look at what Norway has been doing, for, for instance, how did countering tax avoidance we just discussed become a major issue on the global arena of development assistance. It was initially Norway going with a huge pile of money to the World Bank and saying, we are funding work on countering tax evasion. And the World Bank was really reluctant initially, but then, you know, they had the money and so they had to launch this policy program on tax avoidance issues and it's had a massive impact. Finland is doing nothing like this. You know, Finland is there. It's doing good work in many fields. It has good impact, but it's not like proactive that much. And it cannot be that proactive in in the international development policy arena. So I guess Finland in this sense would like to see itself as bigger than it can be given the current contributions. And that's kind of like the tension the main tension Finland needs to somehow work on. And this is also the reason why its future role quite much depends on its willingness to contribute to international development. I want to emphasize again that its impact is not a straightforward money thing, but in international politics it counts. It sounds like there are several kinds of contradictions or tensions that are existing in the way that Finland is expressing the role that it wants to have in global development. And and I'm especially curious about what you mentioned earlier, where on the one hand, Finland would like to bring its expertise and its competencies to the, the arena. But on the other hand, Finland is pushing for better coordination. So is this one of the bigger contradictions that you see and and is there a way to kind of solve this tension or is it something that Finland just has to be comfortable with that tension or or how do you see that interplay? 
I guess this tension applies to each and every country. Mm. Um, just a bit more to Finland because of this willingness to emphasize global rules and rules-based global politics and, and so forth. But this applies to all development assistance. Um, development cooperation is slowly but surely turning into something of, of um, global politics in a very inaugural, seminal form. So the future has to be a somewhat more coordinated political system. Mm. The boundaries between the global north and the global south, they are kind of like fading away, even though we, we still have um, major differences in income and wealth and, and so forth environmental issues are becoming ever more pressing. It's not only a matter that we could do benevolent interventions in distant countries, but we have to look at our own consumption patterns and so forth ever more. So we are seeing some kind of shift towards a global politics thinking in development assistance. And the sustainable development goals are the first very concrete symbol of this. So the tension each and every country will have to work with is how to give up its symbols and its visibility. Or what are the ways to um, keep them if they really insist on that. I mean, technically, development assistance has always been only a matter of transferring funds and then doing technical assistance and so. But each and every donor wants their symbol or flag to be seen visibly. And this is exactly what global politics is uh, doing away with. So this just that doesn't apply to Finland only. It applies to each and every donor. Are we willing to do something better, something more coordinated and pay the price of not having our flag visibly present there? You know, this is a donation from the Republic of Finland or Republic of whatever. Right. Well, it's interesting then to move to looking at Finland's Africa strategy as an example or a case study of the role that Finland would like to have in development cooperation. So in my mind, Finland's Africa strategy has very much been branded already as Finland's Africa strategy. And there is this emphasis on Finland and and Finland's cooperation with African countries. So do you think that this role, which you mentioned in this tension, is, is somehow expressed through Finland's Africa strategy and how it could be implemented? Or is there something else happening with the publishing of this new strategy? Mm. Well, it's an interesting question how Finnish Africa strategy deals with the tension mentioned. To me, the Africa strategy is more about a shift towards more business-oriented, more commercial kind of thinking in international cooperation. Of course, all the traditional themes of Finnish development cooperation are there if you read the Africa strategy. Mm. But then reading political strategies is a kind of an art form of its own. It requires a very specific kind of reading strategy. So any strategy would mention almost 
each and every objective the country has. And then you need to look at what themes or keywords are frequently mentioned or emphasized, what are mentioned just in passing and what are perhaps completely omitted. And then you get an idea of what the strategy actually tells you. And if you read the Finnish Africa strategy from this perspective, you note that the one keyword continuously repeated is business, trade, and the uh, the related terms. Of course, it's meant to be broad a broader strategy than just a development cooperation strategy. It's it's meant to cover commercial cooperation as well. Nevertheless, cannot help getting the impression that somehow the traditional goals of development cooperation are being subordinated to the grand vision of commercial cooperation or somehow Africa emerging as a more equal trading partner with Finland, which implies, of course, that Finnish companies have huge business opportunities on this vast market. And of course, something which is surprisingly explicitly mentioned already on page one of that strategy is competition with China. So it doesn't even try to be tacit about the fact that Europe sees Africa as a terrain on which they engage in competition with China. And this competition is fierce and it covers not only business, but also education, infrastructure, several, several fields. So to me, the Finnish Africa strategy is like a great turning point towards this kind of more commercial thinking and openness about competition with China, which has been somewhat more tacitly expressed so far. I wonder how does this kind of change in the approach which you're talking about with this more added emphasis in commercial cooperation and trade, how does this differ or coincide with the approach of other countries and and maybe also looking specifically at our Nordic neighbors since we have already talked about a Nordic bloc? Is there some similarities? Are there differences? I guess this general shift towards more commercial thinking is pretty universal at Mm. this point. Other countries might emphasize more their traditional goals, traditional objectives and ideas and values and so forth. And I think that the uh, Nordic neighbors do exactly that. But also when it comes to thinking in terms of competition, even even if you consider commercial competition or political competition to be your number one goal, you might ask yourself, how do you actually do that in, in the most efficient way? And it often turns out that focusing on supporting business is not necessarily the most efficient way to do this. So if you look at what China is doing in Africa, it's not only about making or you know creating new opportunities for their businesses china is very present in building new kinds of mindsets on the continent of of africa so African universities all around the continent have these Confucius Institutes attached to them where people learn for free necessary um, academic skills, but also something of uh, Chinese mindset towards several political issues. And I guess if you look at what other Nordic countries are doing in the continent, on the, on the continent of Africa, they have perhaps better realized that even competition 
is best enhanced in these indirect ways pretty often. So you could ask, are, are there fundamental objectives that different? But at least they are pursuing them on somewhat different means. Yeah, that's it's interesting. And, and I kind of keep coming back to the point that you were making earlier about this kind of global politics and the need to not have the flag of, of Finland or whatever country flying so much. And I, I also wonder, with this acknowledgement of the competition side and specifically this competition with China, are we somehow like um, going against this trend of global politics in doing that? Or do you think that this is part of another kind of shift or a, maybe an EU mindset? Or I, I'm just wondering why this was uh, so prominent in the in the strategy. Mm, that's a good point. Maybe the case is that when we say global, we actually mean Western to yeah. some extent. So yes, there is this shift towards more global politics, more global coordination, but that tends to mean global in the sense of OECD coordinated, global in the sense of uh, traditional industrial countries, traditional Western powers and so forth. So that, that's, a, that's a good point. I, I must admit that I, I shouldn't be talking about exactly global, but mm. like global in the sense of traditional global political coordination. And China clearly is another kind of power in that game. So you know, even the OECD made huge efforts in trying to get China under the same coordination of development funding to um, report its development funding under the same rules. Uh, they were willing to make massive compromises on the um, ethics and approaches of development assistance to get China aboard and they just refuse. They play their own game. So yes, that's a good point. We have to keep in mind that global doesn't mean exactly global. Yeah, it's an it's a really interesting contradiction and, and again I'm thinking about kind of Finland here as a very small player in this and recognizing that it's a small player in this kind of, uh, even if we limit this to traditional Western uh, context, it, Finland is still still small. So then if we think a little bit about the future, what are the challenges that Finland faces currently or will face in promoting development globally? Something to start with would be, how do we actually understand development? I'm Sorry, this is something of a philosopher's answer, but we constantly talk about development and it's quite unclear what it actually means. If you're asked to define development, you're in trouble. You know, it's, it's much easier to talk about it than, than actually to define it. Um, the big issue of the present world is that we are experiencing a global authoritarian turn. Mm. So traditionally functioning democracies are in retreats all over the all over the world not only in asia but also in africa very much in africa actually and we have to ask ourselves how do we relate to these uh, major shifts again if we go back to the africa strategy mm-hmm. of course human rights democracy equality and so forth are mentioned um, but what this strategy doesn't tell us is what do you do when these kinds of values conflict with trading interest? It says absolutely nothing about this. There's just this, um, to me, very 1990s mindset 
that if you just get countries to engage in international cooperation, be that commercial or be that something else, then those countries will steadily democratize because they see the benefits of global cooperation. This, this is what everyone, close to everyone, thought in the 1990s, that uh, China and other remaining authoritarian countries will change as they engage more in commercial cooperation. If you look at the re reality today, this is really wishful thinking. We're seeing nothing of this. But rather, we have to ask ourselves difficult and dilemmatic questions about how to relate to these authoritarian regimes. Mm -hmm. So if we think about development in traditional terms of economic growth, poverty reduction and so forth, many of these countries are doing really well. So if we understand development this way, um, what Finland is doing with its current strategy is not bad at all. Increased trading, creating opportunities for businesses, uh, vocational education perhaps, um, some more targeted poverty alleviation strategies and so forth will do it. But then this gets really difficult and uneasy when you begin asking questions about these traditional values Finland says it's promoting um, in development assistance, democracy, human rights and equality. Because it's not really going, as mentioned, too well with mm -hmm. these uh, goals on the global scale. So do we, for instance, stop trading with an authoritarian regime if we find that human rights are in a substandard state in that within that particular regime. Perhaps, but the African strategy tells nothing about this. None of our strategies tells, not, tells nothing about this because we're so used to, to lean on this wishful thinking that we just cooperate and everything will turn fine with the power of cooperation as such. So um, if you ask questions about Finland's role and what Finland could be could, could do better. I'm afraid we have to begin with these philosophical questions. What do we actually want to promote? The other thing related to democracy is, again, getting back to the Africa strategy, I refer to the preferred way of reading such strategies that you try to look at keywords which are completely missing. So what is what is completely omitted in the Africa strategy? That is free speech or media. That's completely absent. So Finland wants to shy off about mentioning anything about the capacity of people to actually criticize these authoritarian regimes. So if you ask me what Finland should be doing to promote global development, um, I would understand global development more as um, as a quality or virtue of political institutions and that would definitely include promotion of, um, of uh, free speech, critical citizenship, democracy and so forth, which of course Finland says it's promoting, but I don't really know why, uh, uh, how, I mean, sorry, um, when it gets difficult and dilemmatic and these goals begin to conflict with um, trading objectives. I wonder, you mentioned that in a way there's a need to start from this, philo the philosophical questions, and maybe now I'm asking a philosophical question that do you think it's possible for politicians or policy makers or this kind of national strategy to processes to actually ask these philosophical questions? I don't see why they couldn't. Um, I mean, in, in a way or another, 
you are answering these questions by your conduct. So uh, if these uh, ministries and governments and policy processes want to be serious about this, they need to ask those questions and there's nothing institutional or cultural stopping us from, from um, asking them. It's just the uh, culture of silence or culture of, um, of uh, somewhat wishful belief in the power of cooperation as such. But of course they could be asked. I mean, what's on the way? <laughs> That's a good point. I'm also kind of interested in this point you're making about the way that cooperation is being done now feels like it's from the 90s. So if if we think about how Finland could engage with other actors internationally to bring about change uh, that would perhaps be uh, not a 90s way of doing it, how how would that be? How should Finland engage with, with other uh, international actors? Okay, um, just for clarification, I, I didn't mean that... Um, the implementation of development assistance is is done in the 1990s way. I just referred to this mindset, which to me is very 1990s, um, which could be called democracy optimism. Like, you know, just the belief that democracy will just appear when you trade with, with someone and, and so forth. Um, and much has changed, of course, after the, after the 1990s in the implementation of development assistance. Uh, not least the push for coordination, which was mentioned earlier. Um, I would like to see, I mean, if I was to decide how <laughs> Finland functions on the, on the global arena, I would like to see more support to um, social movements, people on the ground, free media and initiatives around that. And also, at the same time, and this could sound paradoxical, but to me it's like a two-track or two-tier strategy, to keep working towards a global environmental and global social policy. For development assistance or development cooperation, the future brings uh, really fundamental choices about what development cooperation fundamentally is. What is it for? Um, originally, development cooperation was launched because there was um, lack of capital in the countries of Global South. Now, during the 1980s, 1990s, all uh, restrictions on international co capital mobility were lifted and so this initial uh, reason for the existence of development assistance just uh, vapored away. Um, so it constantly has to ask itself, why does it exist? And now, um, since the uh, Millennium Development Goals, which were uh, launched in 2000, the main justification has been around um, poverty reduction. Now we are like turning more, more, more towards um, global environmental policy. Mm. But the main choice ahead will be, is development cooperation more about um, 
cooperation in the field of business, securing trading relations, securing um, rule-based trading regimes globally and so forth? Or is it about an attempt to create something of a global environmental and global social policy? So none of these will be seen in any kind of pure forms. Um, but this is kind of like the uh, fundamental ideological choice. Why do we practice development cooperation? And then if we think kind of nationally or domestically, what should happen in Finland for, for our or the Finnish global development agenda to succeed? Well, I guess we've somewhat covered this already. I mentioned that we note these uh, traditional development cooperation goals, but Finland is not too active in actually pushing them when they really are contested. So this might sound as a bit of a lame answer, but to me it's a matter of uh, Finland not shying away from what it does best. And, and that is uh, promoting particularly uh, gender equality and, um, and basic education. It's really interesting when you read global reports like uh, global expert peer reviews on Finnish uh, development assistance. So what do they highlight? What is kind of like the field in which Finland really shines as the perfect example of uh, someone doing something really well in, in development assistance. And that is special education for handicapped children. You never hear proper mention of this in Finnish official strategies. It's like, you know, we're really good in this key human rights inclusiveness thing, but we don't want to mention this because we kind of prefer to talk about technology and trade. So it's, it's really a curious thing how even these fields where we really have something to add, something to, to contribute, we don't want to talk about our role in this kind of field. Um, I, I guess this is, I, I hope this is not a, a non-answer to a question, but you know, do what we can do. <laughs> so the final question for you, Teppo, is what's next? I guess when we talk about development as assistance, I kind of sketched already the uh, the big choices ahead. Are we are we in the future talking when we're talking about development uh, cooperation? Are we talking about uh, trade rules, trade support, or moves towards uh, global social and environmental policy? Um, this is a big political issue. Development cooperation has always been a field which is really skillful in disguising how political it is. Mm. We talk about it as a merely um, technical exercise of governance or mere transfer of funds and, and, and so forth. But it's necessarily political. You have to take someone's side when you intervene politically. You have to align with some party, some system of values, some ideology. and it's becoming impossible to conceal the fact that this choice is ahead. So 
that is what, what's next. We are asking ever more political and politicized questions about de development cooperation. And then, of course, if it moves more towards uh, commercial cooperation, we have to ask what is the ethical aspect or the ethical component that remains? You know, much of the justification around trade for development today is uh, very awkwardly reminding us from the rhetoric of colonial times. Now, of course, Finland was never a colonizing country, but you kind of hear that there's the same, same discourse that we merely cooperate. We just come and make you engage in these trade relations which are beneficial for both parties. And we just grab the gold and ivory as we go, but nevertheless, it's a win-win scenario. There's something, something not that dissimilar in this trade for de development talk today. The African continent is full of valuable mining products, uh, oil and all that. And of course, when Europe wants to trade with Africa, it wants to benefit from this uh, natural wealth. So development assistance, at least in the eyes of the average citizen, justifies itself on very, very ethical terms, on a very ethical language, we assist. And so it has to ask itself very awkward questions about what does assistance actually mean in this context. I guess that's what's, what's next. Well, we have some uh, awkward questions and awkward conversations ahead of us, I think. Thank you, Deppo, so much for joining us. It was great to have you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Detangling Development. If you enjoyed the episode, be sure to join us for the next one, where we will be talking about feminist and decolonial approaches to building academic partnerships. Violeta Gutierrez Zamora, early stage researcher and teacher from the University of Eastern Finland, will join us to share her expertise on the topic. My name is Melissa Plath. See you next time. This episode was produced and edited by Kelly Brito and Alexandra Birish. Original theme music is by Vesa Plath. This has been Detangling Development.